Hi, this is Jerry Bose. Welcome to my podcast, Living Life in Awe. Today, I'm going to be talking with my friend, Laura Floyd. Laura is passionate about animals. She has worked in the animal medical field for over 20 years, involved in many aspects of this field from surgical centers, emergency centers, and small animal general practice. Today, we're going to talk about lots of things involving animals from how to take care of them, on connecting with them, and also grieving for them. So let's get started. Hi, Jerry. Thank you so much for having me on here. I really, really appreciate that. Oh, thank you for being here. Why don't you talk a little bit about your background? Because I'm sure you'll do it much more eloquently than I just did. Okay, yeah. Um, So I started out in the veterinary field around the age of 21. And I didn't set out in my life to be a veterinarian technician. I just answered an ad in a newspaper. Yes, it is a newspaper. It wasn't (laughs) Google. Um, And I went through a really intensive interviewing process by this particular clinic in my hometown. But as I got into the job, I I landed the job and started working in the field and found that this was absolutely clicking for me. And it just felt like home, actually. So I worked at that practice, which was a small animal general practice, which means it treated cats and dogs mainly. Um, There were some avian uh, aspects to it because one of the vets was an avian vet too. So that was cool. I got to work with some birds. Um, After working in that particular facility and really kind of gaining the foundation of being an animal nurse, I went ahead and wanted to further that by moving into a bigger city out of the smaller town that I lived in and moved to Portland, Oregon which then allowed me to expand my experience and actually become certified as a technician. Um, Working in a board certified surgical center and also doing a very tiny small animal general practice in addition to the surgical practice. Um, I was certified to become a technician, which means that you take a, state regulated test. And then I also became certified in small animal radiology, which is all actually part of becoming a certified veterinarian technician or animal nurse. It's equivalent to an RN for humans, a registered nurse for humans. So at that point, I was able to really get intensive with the controlled chaos that was at the surgical center. It was an amazing learning experience. Um, I really felt even more in my element at that point because you were just immersed in this, working extremely long hours with very intensive cases. And it was at that point where I started to just get an idea. That was the very glimmer of light that came in on my connection with the animals. And it came through when I was not actually in 
involved with surgery. I wasn't the doing the anesthesia. I wasn't assisting the surgeon. It was in the time that I was doing the recovery and being with the animals uh, coming out of these pretty intense surgical procedures and spending time with them, I started to be able to have that connection um, and help them do through the recovery because it's a pretty vulnerable position that they're in. So it was at that point that it just started to show up for me that I was able to communicate with them in a way that isn't just doing your job and, and documenting and detailing records or making sure that they're getting medications at the same time, at the proper times that they need to. It was all that, but it was something even more. Right. So I just want to uh, like really understand. So you, you realized that you could feel what the animals were feeling. Like when you say you were able to connect with them, like you got a sense of like how they were feeling or you can. Yeah. Yes. Um, it wasn't the pain aspect that I got. It was more on the level of images or feelings of emotions. So for example, fear or confusion, or even sort of the anesthetic delirium that, you know, we all experience as well as humans coming out. Mm -hmm. So it was sort of just this inner knowledge that was coming up and would help me to know what to do for that animal a little bit more. And of course, each animal is different. Um, some animals were very not wanting to have any kind of openness or connection because they were so scared um, that they were very shut down. And then there were the other animals that were really asking for help without asking. And those were the kind of feelings that I would get at that time, being able to work with them as they were coming out of recovery. Right. Actually, my I just remembered that my dog actually had to have surgery once because he somehow cut his paw. And it's really traumatic also for the owners because um, I remember when my dog went in and he came out, we were, oh, it was it was not good. And then you had to uh, keep something on his neck so he wouldn't lick his paws. So it's also traumatic for like the owners and as an owner, um, you really don't know how, like how to take care of your pet. So like, did you also get have to help the owners to know what to do? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, that's part of the job if you're really doing your job as a nurse for these kinds of facilities, you're actually educating and helping guide the owners in addition to helping guide the pets and what they should do. Oftentimes you'll have a lot of emotion involved, of course, just like you were saying, there's anxiety, there's fear, there's happiness and joy even depending on you know what the procedure was and if they were able to recover and do well with that particular procedure so yes a lot of times it's kind of this fine balancing act as the animal nurse to help guide the owner in feeling a certain level of comfort and ease 
in the recovery time going home. And that really goes into even on general day-to-day veterinarian exams, labs, oh, that's um, true. Yeah. testing. It, that goes into it, nail trims, something as simple as nail trims. It's extremely anxiety and concern driven on a lot of people and their animals. So yes, you have to help communicate uh, between the owner and the animal that the animal is feeling yeah. what you're feeling. Exactly. So, exactly. This is what I was going to yeah. say. I remember taking my dog to get his nail trim and I was so panicked and he feels my panicness and then he gets panicked, you know, and yep. um, actually didn't turn out very well because I think they cut like his nail too, too, too deep and it, he was actually bleeding. So it's like, it, that's the other thing is like, how do you like calm the whole environment down so that the <laughs> can be calmer than the dog can be calm or the cat or, you know, the, the pet. I do feel that as a veterinarian technician, the longer that you're in it, the more calm you attain because you have that confidence within yourself. You've experienced enough situations, good and bad, um, with animals and with the pet owners, you know, um, to kind of gain a sense of confidence to help calm everything down. So I can only speak for me and what I do, but a lot of times um, I would work with the animal and the owner at the same time. Let's just use the nail trim as an example, because it's quite an anxiety driven mm -hmm. event. Yeah. for a lot of people, both the animal and the human. And so what you do is you educate them on how that all can be. Um, for example, maybe they go for an exercise time before they come to their appointment. So a lot of that energy, because everything is energy, no matter how you look at it, energy yeah. is then a little bit dispersed by going on a walk or going on a hike or going and having play time before they actually meet their appointment. Uh, then maybe they come in and we use some pheromone spray within the room, which is both for felines and for canines. We have these new technologies with pheromone sprays that help calm them down. And so you spray that into the environment and it helps a little bit especially with kitties. Dogs, I would say it doesn't work quite as effectively, but that's another thing. Having treats, having distractions, calming your energy. Maybe we take a minute for the dog or the cat to have a minute to kind of evaluate their situation. Where are they? Talk with them, pet them, yeah. talk calmly and quietly. So these are all things that I personally do um, I had a lot of experience with nail trims. People liked how I was able to come in and do a lot of times on these difficult cases. And I think, again, part of that is that connection. I was talking with the animal, you know, and letting them know it's okay. It's all right. We're going to do it at a level that you're comfortable and we would get through it. And then you have a the very owners Right, but you have, excuse me for interrupting, but you have a very yeah. calming voice to begin with, you know? Oh. I was just thinking, I remember when I first brought my dog home, um, I never had a pet as a child and I brought my dog home 
and I was a wreck. <laughs> I was just a mm -hmm. nervous wreck. And I didn't know how to, I mean, I did have a trainer, but I wasn't really sure like how to train the dog. So I was taking him out often. It was very, very chaotic, you know? So I'm just thinking mm -hmm. if there's anybody out there who are th who was thinking of getting like a new dog or a new cat, like what should you, like how should you approach it? Because I think I didn't approach it the proper way, you know? I was like, it was like a chaotic mess in my house with, the, with our dog at the beginning. Hey, I honestly feel that you need to do research as a new pet owner. So if you haven't had a lot of exposure to whatever you're looking at, whether it's a cat or a dog, I think having the research done ahead of time is helpful. And that research would look like if it's a dog, let's look into dog breeds. So what kind of lifestyle do you hold? Are you an active runner? Do you do hiking all the time or camping or outdoor stuff? If that's the case, then you need to get a dog that probably stands up with that particular personality. Mm -hmm. Something that has a, a high activity level, like uh, an Australian Shepherd Border Collie, um, any of the working breed dogs that have a high energy level and activity driven personality would be a great match, but those dogs would not be a great match for someone that wants to be at home more and maybe even just puttering around the yard is their activity or they sit down on the couch. Then you need to look for a breed of dog that is more suited to that particular personality. Yeah. And so a lot of people don't do that. And like even the movie industries will drive particular breeds that come out on a popular movie. All of a sudden you'll see an influx of that breed being adopted or bought and purchased or given even and they start coming in. And so now we have, you know, um, uh, let's say Malamutes or, or Huskies or something, because there was a movie that had to do with the Iditarod. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. all of a sudden you have people coming in with Huskies that probably that's not a great match. Yeah. So that's one aspect. The other aspect is, I think what you did was great. Having a trainer, a lot of times trainers can help um, set boundaries, set rules and set the stage really for having success with your dog, because oftentimes the trainer is not training the dog. They're yeah. training the human. Yes. Yes, that's true. Well, I think the trainer also told me a lot of things that I would have never known, you know, um, like what to do if your dog has diarrhea. Like I did it. I had no clue, yeah. that, you know? And, yeah, and, uh, I didn't know that you can make like a rice porridge. I mean, I think sometimes like these simple things, like you think, oh well, you know, people will figure that out. I I wasn't able to. I was very happy to have my trainer. But the other thing that I noticed with my dog is, well, now he's five years old. So the one of the ways is to really just spend like the first year, spend a lot of time with your pet. Like we left him alone after, um, I think we had him for like maybe six months. We left him in a kennel and we went on vacation and that was not a good thing. You know, mm. so if I had to give someone advice now, I would say do not like really spend as much time as possible with your dog 
for the first year? Like, what do you think about that? Um, yeah, actually what's coming up for me, I agree with that, but also the fact that people don't do what I call desensitizing their animals. And that first year also fits into that really well. And what that means is that they bring them home and they feel like they're protecting them because they've had a lot of change maybe. So for example, maybe they've adopted them from a rescue or a shelter so the dog has had a lot of change going from being maybe a stray into a noisy shelter or rescue, and then now it's gone into your home. And thus, all this change causes a lot of concern for the owner more than it even does for the dog. I agree that I think establishing routines and some calm and security for the dog is absolutely imperative. But part of what that does is it also isolates the dog. So now their safe zone is only in their house. And anytime that they go out, it's a very big, scary place for them. So oftentimes I will talk with people about desensitizing their animals at a very small increment basis. And so things such as different textures under their feet, let's say uh, asphalt, sidewalk, gravel, dirt, um, different areas that aren't loud and noisy that they can go to because they have now the sense and the sights that are also coming in as information to them. And when they have all of that exposure and they've given lots of positive feedback at the moment that they're going through the concern, the fear, the anxiety, let's say they're stepping from a sidewalk onto new grass or gravel or something like that and it seems kind of scary for them you give them lots of positive feedback and affirmation maybe you even offer a treat um, and when they get past that anxiety and fear with that particular situation what it does is it builds self-confidence and the more that they build self-confidence the less anxious they have yeah. and so this is something people don't understand they they're trying to do the right thing but they're actually making the anxiety and fear worse because they're isolating them the more exposure and positive feedback getting through the thing oh my gosh it didn't kill you good job good boy you know i think that that's kind the of other thing yeah that's it's very thank you for bringing all this out i think that's the other thing it's talking to your dog you know i feel like now i'm actually talking to him more than be ever before and that really helps a lot to yep. you know, build this connection and, and build this bond between us. The dog yeah, absolutely. I don't feel that people really understand how communicative, communicative mm -hmm. animals really are. Even cats, cats like turn their head and, and look away from you because that's what cats do. But even that is communication. They're actually still listening while they do that. Mm -hmm. So they're their own kind of little world yeah. and it's a very different world than dogs, but all of the animals are always really present and really listening and wanting to have that communication with their family, their human families. And I don't feel that a lot of times people realize yeah. that this communication is available with them. Oh, but oh, that you just you just brought up something so good. 
the present. I think my dog has really helped me to stay in the present moment like no other person before. Because mm. I noticed the more I am present with my dog, the more I connect with him and I, the more I understand what he needs. And that's a really good way to bond. What I found with my dog is to really stay present, really just slow down and just kind of watch him and see, because they're always communicating with us. I think we're just too busy to notice all the communication they're doing, you know? Absolutely. You, you hit it on the head. It's, it's about slowing down, being present, like intentionally present, looking at them, being aware of what's going on. And again, that even goes into the cat world. Cats are doing the same thing. And so, and birds, birds are actually super communicative too. So, you know, all of these animals are there. It's just about us and being able to sort of change and be aware of what we're doing and you can go so much further which is again why that was something that clicked for me after all these years about being able to be in recovery with them i would and even in the rooms you know and helping to hold animals through maybe a difficult exam process maybe it's concerning for them this is all what i've done for all of these years and that's just because I was able to actually slow down enough be quiet enough and understand that this is actually happening this communication is happening and I've found that in that process the relationships that I've been able to develop with certain animals that have come into my life through the clinics that I've worked with have actually changed in a very positive way between me and that animal specifically. Mm -hmm. And I've been able to develop relationships with those animals that were regular clients coming in and we would, they would come to me and be happy and not be concerned because I was taking my time and they knew that I was there to listen. Right. I was just thinking it's kind of a, a good, uh, good sort of therapy like if you're too stressed out you know get a pet because it's going to help you to like slow down take it easy and really build like this relationship with an animal because i think you have like you have to slow down with them you can't you can't be rushing around because they just react to your stress i mean i learned that the hard way you know <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. They they want to be there. Um, that I feel very much that animals come into our lives and even leave our lives for the period of time that they need to be there. They're there helping us at that time in our life with whatever it is that we're going through at that time. They're there to be our angels, to help us, to guide us and give us that unconditional love and support. And uh, it may be for a short period, it may be for a long period, but they're absolutely there, 100% committed to us, no matter what. Well, what, I mean, what you're saying definitely applies to our dog. I mean, I think he came into our home at exactly when we needed him, you know? So I, I totally agree with what you're saying here. 
Um, I, I, since I, since I'm just starting my podcast, I'm trying to keep them sort of short, but I just want to talk briefly about, cause I know you're also a specialized in griefing for a pet. And can you just give us a little bit of idea on how to best to do that? Yeah, absolutely. There is a whole lot that you can do in regards to um, making that final decision. Oftentimes people don't understand what goes into the process of having an animal euthanized. And it depends on the clinic and the doctor and how they choose to conduct that particular procedure. In the places that I've worked, it has been where it's encouraged actually for the human family, the, the family to, whether it be one or more come in and be present with the animal at the time in preparation for that decision. You don't always have the time to make that decision, but if you do, because your animal is getting older or maybe it has a terminal illness and you have a certain amount of time to spend with them, I highly recommend that people take that time to really be present as they can mm -hmm. do whatever they can with that animal flourish with the love that this animal is still giving you, even though they're in a really debilitated state. Yeah, that's such um, yeah. You know, call ahead, make the appointment time at the, particular places I worked, we would specifically have them scheduled at certain times of the day so that there weren't other people coming in and out of the clinic. It would be quiet so that they could have their opportunity and time to grieve. And so with that, I would oftentimes come in as the nurse to have to hold off the vein for the doctor to give that final injection. And a lot of times it's very scary for people because they don't know what that process looks like, but it's, it's a very peaceful process oh, and it's very calming and smooth usually for most of the, the places that I've worked at that we've done this and it happens very quickly. It happens within a minute at the most and the animals just literally go to sleep and then everything stops working. And the grief process looks differently for everyone, of course, and it can go on even for years for people. But I highly recommend that you spend that time with your animal after you've gone through the actual procedure and just spend time in there, you know, grieving, doing what that, whatever that may look like. And then maybe you choose to have them cremated. If you choose to do that, you can take the cremains and do beautiful things. You can create a little flower garden that goes in there. And maybe sometimes you can put their ashes in with a stepping stone mixed in so that you always have them present with you there. There's all kinds of things now on these days that allow you to work with that. Yeah, or maybe you choose to bury, you know, and you go to your favorite space, but the grief process for the human is still there. And I always recommend writing your feelings out yeah. and then going to that special place. Maybe you and your animal always went. 
and reading it out loud. They are always with you. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Just like humans, actually. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, thank you so much. It was so nice to talk about this. And uh, yeah. you, I will have you back. We'll talk about other stuff because you are just like this great resource to talk about so many different things. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate you allowing me to come on here and share some of this with everyone. Oh, of course. I'll talk to you later then. All right. Thank you. Sure. Bye.